Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie Ricky here at Yankton First United Methodist, and I'm glad that you could join me for this episode. I want to spend this episode talking a little bit about the concept of discipleship, and in particular, how do we grow in our discipleship? And then to give you some opportunities that we have this month and how you can plug in and grow in your discipleship of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that I think is really important and really at the core of who we are as a church is that we are meant to be making disciples of Jesus Christ, Uh, that the church exists to equip, to encourage, uh, and to grow disciples. That's that's the point of our church. Our mission statement um, reflects that. The United Methodist Church's mission statement reflects that as Uh, to grow disciples of Jesus Christ uh, for the transformation of the world. What does that look like? How do we grow disciples? How do we uh, bring people not only into the faith, but then to grow deeper into their faith and to the point where um, they are as well bringing people into the faith? So I'm going to just take a quick side note here and, and to say that being a disciple is a lot like being an apple tree. And you're like, okay, go with me on this for a minute because... I've thought about it. So what's the purpose of an apple tree? You might think the purpose of an apple tree is to produce apples because apples are delicious and good for you. And that's really what, when we're planting apple trees, that's what we're doing. We we want the fruit of that tree uh, that benefits us. But the purpose of an apple tree is actually not to make apples. The purpose of an apple tree is to make more apple trees. That's what apples do. Within the apples are seeds for new trees. And it's the same in discipleship. Uh, Every disciple should produce good fruit. Every disciple should produce fruit that benefits the world, that benefits other people. But at the end of the day, that is not the purpose of a disciple. The purpose of a disciple is to make more disciples uh, that also produce fruit that benefits the world, but then that they also make more disciples. Just like an apple tree's real purpose in life is to reproduce and to make new apple trees. As disciples of Jesus Christ, that is our mission as well. And so if we bring people into the faith, but then don't encourage them to grow and to mature, to produce fruit, um, they will also not produce more disciples. And so that's part of what we do here. That's part of uh, the ministry that we have. I would say that's ultimately the core of our ministry is to produce disciples who can transform the world, but also in doing that, uh, transform people and people's lives into making new disciples. Uh, and so there are a variety of ways that, that um, discipleship happens in the life of the church and in the life of a believer. Uh, and so I want to talk about a few of them. Uh, and some of that, I think, is reflected in our membership vows because, again, membership is not the point of the church. It is not our goal as the church to bring people into membership. Our goal is to bring them into discipleship. And membership reflects that in a way because it's a commitment as discipleship is. And so our membership vows really are vows that um, help us to grow in our discipleship. First is presence. Uh, To be a disciple means you 
literally, like in the in the literal sense, a disciple is someone who follows someone else, like follows in their footsteps. So we see that in the early church of the early disciples following Jesus around, like quite literally, he goes there, they go there, he goes there, they go there, he does this, they're right there watching it happen. That is the initial disciples. Um, but we are also called to be disciples, to be in the presence of Jesus, to be in God's presence, to be learning and watching from God and from Jesus. And how we do that is one through knowing and reading our scripture, because that's where we encounter Christ. That's where we encounter what he was doing. And we can learn from that just as the early disciples did. But also in our worship, we are in the presence of God. Uh, we are asking the Holy Spirit to be within us. And, and so part of that presence is to be in the presence of God with one another. And so part of our discipleship is um, learning from God by being present with God. Uh, and so part of why we have worship together, part of why we encourage people to be a part of worship is for their own discipleship, for their own filling, for their own encouragement, for their own knowledge, for their own um, edification, for all of these things. Uh, we do worship not for us, but for you. And ultimately, we actually do worship for God. Um, in, in honoring and worshiping God and directing our attention toward him, uh, it benefits us. Uh, so, so that's part of it. That's why we have our worship services. Uh, the next is prayers, which is again, that relational piece. Um, our faith is relational. It's relational this way. Uh, it's important that we have a relationship with God, that we are working to love God and all that we do to honor God and all that we do. Um, to rely on God, to put Jesus as Lord. So it's that really vertical relationship, right? Like, am I right with God? Uh, that's really important. That's a really central part of our faith, but it is not the only relational part of our faith. Remember that Jesus says the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love the Lord your God, me and God this way. I'm assuming God's above me. Um, but the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a second relational piece to discipleship, that it's not just about your relationship with God, but it's also about your relationship with others. How are you loving others? How are you serving others? How are you treating others? Uh, in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats and how uh, Jesus says, uh, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, you took care of me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And the people are confused. They're like, Jesus, we never saw you do any of these things. We never helped you. And he said, when you do the least, do these things to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. So there's a very real sense that how we treat other people is how we treat God. God takes that personally. So we can't just focus on this vertical relationship and then not worry about the people around us or treat the people around us poorly because God is gonna say, hey, you can't love me if you're not loving them. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. How, how you treat them is how you treat, treat me. And so I think that's an important piece to remember. We also see that in our Lord's Prayer, God, again, connecting how we treat others with, with how our relationship to God is going to be. In our Lord's Prayer, we say, 
forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, forgive me as I forgive others. If I am unwilling to forgive others, God is going to be unwilling to forgive me. Have you ever thought about that before? That we say that every week, and that's what we're saying, is that God, how I live out my relationships with other people, that's how I, I this relationship is going to work. That's what Jesus prayed. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Again, we see in scripture, how you judge is the standard by which God will judge you. Again, how you treat other people is the same that God is going to treat you. And so it is so important and we cannot forget how we live in community with each other is how this relationship with God is going to go. Uh, and so that's a big part of discipleship is that communal peace, is that treating one another well with respect, kindness, service, sacrifice. Um, and so that's a big piece of discipleship that I don't want us to lose. So often, and I think especially in the church in America, we tend to have a very uh, limited understanding of our faith, that it's this private relationship, that I really don't need these other people. Uh, I don't really need to go to church. I don't really need to engage while I'm at church uh, <clears throat> because they have nothing to do with what's going on between God and me. But the reality is, and what we see in scripture and what we see from Jesus is that those people and how we choose to treat them and how we choose to react has everything to do with that relationship with God. God sees that and God says the standard by which you treat other people is the standard by which I will treat you. And so do you want to, how do you want to proceed basically? Um, prayers, presence, service, uh, or gifts, maybe. Maybe we should do gifts next. Uh, I always get those two confused in the order. I don't know that it really matters, but the next is our gifts, and that's really looking at um, generosity, uh, really looking at, uh, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. And, and we believe that as you become a Christian, that God gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you, to work within you, to make you more Christ-like, and that every believer get, gets this, and every believer receives the fruit of the Spirit. And as we continue to grow in our Christ-likeness, we will grow in these fruit. I make the confirmation students memorize the fruit of the Spirit. They are love. Uh, you know, what are the things that when you see someone and you think, man, that person gets it, that person is a great Christian, these are usually the qualities that you are responding to. Love, joy, peace, patience, who that's a big one, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That all of these things uh, are things that are fruit for us, right? Again, if we are the apple trees, these are our apples. These are the things that are going to grow in us and impact others and benefit others. But another piece of our relationship, another piece of fruit um, that should come out of our relationship with God is generosity. And that's really generosity of spirit. That's generosity with our time, with our energy, with our stuff, and with our money. Um, all of those things uh, you know, we should, we should be able to hold loosely because the reality is that they are all gifts from God and they are all meant to be used to be a blessing. 
God has blessed us greatly. And I know that for some, it might feel right now in your life that, that God has not blessed you, that you are struggling. But I promise you that God has given you gifts and graces and talents and opportunities to be a blessing to someone else, to live in a generous way, in a generous spirit. Um, and so that's part of our discipleship is learning to give of ourselves, learning to not hold on to things because it's mine or because I need it or because this is my security. And, and if I give it to you, then, then I don't know when, when I'm going to get what I need. Um, you can kind of see like it just like closes you off and generosity opens you up and and that really comes out of a trusting relationship with God. So the more that you're in God's presence, the more that you know who God is and what God has been doing for you, the more generous you are able to be in all in all ways. Um, and, you know, honestly, uh, I was at a meeting last night and, and someone opened the meeting with their devotional for the day. And it was a devotional about giving. And one of the things that it said that really struck me to the core was that a lot of people believe that I will start being generous once I have more, more of whatever it is, more food. I'll, it, once I have more food, I'll give, I'll give some of mine away. Once I have more money, then I'll give some of mine away. Once I have more stuff, then I can give some of mine away. And they believe that once I hit this imaginary threshold, that then I'll become generous. The truth is, if we are not generous with the little that we have, we will not be generous when we have more. Some of the most generous people that, that uh, I have encountered in my lifetime are people that have very little because people have shared with them and they knew the impact that it meant for them and they, they see the joy that comes in giving. And so, again, some of the most generous people are the people that, that we would say have very little, but they would say, I have enough for what I need, and this person doesn't, and I know what that's like to not have that, and I want to meet them in their need, and that brings me joy. And so generosity really is, is a way of life. It's a, it's a spirit that we have. It's a trusting that if I provide for someone else, God will provide for me. That if I care and love about the people around me, God cares and loves about me. See how that's all connected? Again, uh, the things that I'm willing to do, God is willing to do for me as well. And so I'll talk a little bit more about, about that later. Uh, uh, the next one is service, which I think gifts and service really go hand in hand. Um, but part of being a disciple, and, and again, if we go back to Jesus and his original 12 disciples, what we really see is Jesus was preparing them to do the work of the kingdom. So he was having them follow him around. He was having them watch these miracles and healings that he was doing. He was having them listen to his teachings. Uh, but it wasn't, that wasn't the end goal. Like now you know all this stuff. Now you've seen it. Now you believe. That's great. No, Jesus... Jesus sent them then. He said, okay, now go and do what I've done. Go, go to these other towns two by two and heal people and teach them God's kingdom and make a difference. Do the things that I have done. I have had you follow me so that now you can go and serve. 
you can go and do what I have done. We, we talk often about being the hands and feet of Jesus, that when Jesus ascended and, and sent us the Holy Spirit, the church became the embodiment of Christ in the world, that Jesus himself isn't physically present, but his people are, and that we have been charged with carrying on his ministry. And we have been charged with carrying on his message in the world. And so that means that we are charged in service. Jesus, in the final night that he was with his disciples before he died, he took on the role of a servant and he washed their feet. And they were completely shocked by this because, you know, he was the honored person among them. And this was a really degrading role. And he says, if you do not let me do this, you have no part of me. Like, see how I am serving you. That's what I want you to do. And he was talking to his disciples. And if we are disciples of Jesus, that means he's talking to us as well, that we are to follow in his example, to be of service to others. And so as the church, we try to give you many opportunities to do that. Uh, and we have some coming up that I'm going to talk about in a bit. And the final one is witness, uh, that we are called to be witnesses uh, to what we know. And again, this, I, and I talk about this a lot, but I think we just get really uncomfortable with the idea of talking about our faith and talking about what we know to be true of God. Uh, and that's why we do the God moments. And I know that for some, they're like, oh, the God moments. How oh, is she ever going to talk about anything else? No, probably not. Because it's so important that you get comfortable with sharing how God is active in your life. And, and if you're not there yet, you need to get comfortable with looking for God in your life because God is there. God is active. And if you're not paying attention, uh, you might miss it. It doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. It just means you're not seeing it. Uh, but God is definitely doing something. So to be a witness is to share what you know. And, and then the flip side of that, and again, I've talked about this in sermons in the past as well, is is to live a life that points to Christ. Not just in when we're talking about it specifically, but in how we act and what we say and how we treat people. Again, how we treat people, right? If we are caring for people, we are caring for God. Uh, and so really those membership vows are vows that are meant to help us to grow in our discipleship. They're not just you know, these arbitrary uh, expectations that we have, they are actually part and parcel of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, so we do, again, in the church, have different opportunities for you to, to live and to grow into these different areas of discipleship. Uh, it is October, and that means that one of those areas in particular is our area of giving. And so in church this Sunday, we had these in the bulletin. This is the 2022 estimate of giving uh, slip. So you can find these. We have some uh, on in the, when you walk into the church on that curved kind of welcome counter, There's these are available. We also have it available online uh, that you can fill it out online and it goes directly to Lisa. Uh, she's the one who receives all of these. Uh, so it is still uh, confidential in that way. Um, I talked a little bit on Sunday and sort of joked a little bit about it that, you know, some of the reality is that it costs money to be in ministry, that, that uh, you know, we have staff, we have a beautiful building, we have uh, a wonderful land, we have a parsonage that I get to live in. 
all of these things cost money. It costs money to to do stuff for God. It costs money to have the supplies, to be able to meet people where they are. And so there's a real practical reality um, to to filling these estimate of giving out because uh, this is the time of year that we're looking at our budget and wanting to set our budget and to be faithful about it. And so it's helpful for the church leadership to know what you intend to give so that they're not way off base when they're planning their budget and so that we are using um, what is coming in or what is expected to come in uh, to do the ministry that, that we've been called to do. But I think the more important piece of this is that this is part of our discipleship, is to give, is to be generous, is to uh, not hold on to things for our own purposes, uh, but to be willing to let go of the things uh, of, of what God has given us that is meant to be a blessing to someone else. Um, that's not to say that we want you to become destitute in order to help meet other people's needs. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, are you giving in such a way that you are trusting God for God's provision? Are you giving in such a way that you are remembering what God has done for you and what God has given you and that you are a steward of these things uh, and that uh, if we can be faithful in a little, we can God, God will give us more to be faithful in. And so again, this is really part of our discipleship is, is our giving and, and letting go of the hold that money can have on us. And money in particular, there is something almost insidious about, about the love of money, right? Um, scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's something about money that is so captivating to us because it just, it's that thing that provides us all of all this opportunity for things that we want, for the security that we want. You know, if I just had a little bit more money, then I wouldn't have to be stressed out all the time because I could pay my bills or I could go on this vacation or I could buy this house or I could get a car that works or I could, money becomes this means for us to try to buy security, to buy happiness, to buy, um, whatever it is that we think we want. And so it can be really hard for us to let go of it because because uh, if I don't have it, I can't spend it for me. Uh, and that, and I mean, that's sort of the reality of it. But God is saying, I want you to put your trust in me rather than money. I want you to look to me for purpose rather than money. I want you to look to me for your value rather than money. So often we can get into this uh, space where we think, you know, I don't make as much as that person. That person is way more important than me. Look at the house that they have. Look at the job that they have. Look at the paycheck that they have. Uh, you know, I, I, I can barely make ends meet. I'm not as worthy as they are. God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to say, money is a gift for you to do the things you need to do to care for your family, to provide for yourself, to, and then to be able to bless people. It's not about assigning value or worth. Uh, every person has inherent worth, whether they have a penny to their name or, you know, a billion dollars to their name. Um, and so part of, part of our giving and part of the practice of our giving is to begin to let go. 
let go of some of the grip or the power that money can have over us. And if we can start that process when we have very little, uh, it will become something that we can do more and more. Um, and so part of this sheet on the bottom, it, it says the power of regular giving, because we also tend to think if I can't give a lot, then there's no point in giving. You know, what is $5 a week going to do uh, for the life of the church? Well, you'd be surprised how much that can add up and what that can provide um, for someone else and how much of a difference that can make, not only in their life or in the ministry of the church, but in your life and being willing to let go of that $5 and say, God, I'm giving this to you to do with it as you will. I'm relinquishing my claim to it. And if I can do it in $5, maybe next year I can do it in $7. Maybe the next year I can do 10 You know, and you just kind of keep growing to, to the point where you realize there's joy in that. There's joy in letting go of that. There's joy in, in putting money in its proper place in our life. Um, that it's not meant to be something that, that has a grip on us, but it's meant to be something that we hold and that we give as joyfully as we can. But I, I just want you to look at, so if, you, if you're looking at this on the bottom, you know, let's say, Pastor Katie, I like what you're saying. I understand what you're saying about it being discipleship and that, that really it's it's an act of faith to do this. I just, I heart, I, I, I'm trying to pay my bills. I have very little money left. And, and I just feel like, what's the point? $15 a week adds up to $780 a year. Think about that. You know how much stuff that we could do for $780 to meet the needs of people here in Yankton, to bring people in to the kingdom of God, to bless people in such a way that they want to know more about what it is to be a Christian and to live their life in that way? $15 a week. $10 a week? $520. That's a lot. That's a lot. If we can be intentional about a little, God can use that to be a blessing in a big, big way. Maybe you're looking at this and like, you know, this is this is crazy. But you know, four hundred fifty dollars. Who does that? People can do that. Twenty three thousand dollars. Imagine, imagine what we could do with that. Imagine what God could accomplish with that kind of faithfulness. That's, I mean, and that's not for everybody, but it is for some people. That's a possibility. The big thing is I don't really actually care about the numbers so much. What I care about is your willingness to keep moving forward in faith. Um, what I would love to see is if you have yet to establish a regular habit of giving, maybe this is the year to do that. And you can do that in a variety of ways. Um, maybe when you get your your uh, paycheck that you know you set aside, I've got... Here's my rent or my mortgage, here's my utilities, here's my food for the month, here's my whatever, and here's an envelope for what I'm going to give to God. And then that comes to church and you put it in the plate. For my husband and I, uh, we do a lot of things online. We do a lot of our giving, um, our paying our bills online. We set up reoccurring like every month that just gets paid. Um, and we do that as well with our giving because... Whether we are here in church, whether, you know, and Sundays are chaotic for us with me working all morning and he's got the boys. 
And if we had to kind of depend on us remembering to grab everything that we need, including check blanks or whatever, uh, wouldn't go so well. Not not that we didn't wouldn't have the right intentions, but chaos gets in the way at times. Uh, so we do e-giving, and and I love it because uh, it automatically comes out. It is something that that we make an intention for. Uh, you know, we sit down and have the conversation around this sheet of paper and say, this is what we're giving this year. Uh, let's look at our budget. Let's look at where we are. Have we uh, changed in our salaries? Have we changed in our circumstances that, that we can give more at this time? And maybe it's not a lot more, but but again, it's that taking that step in faith each year to say, okay, we're going to, we, we were able to do this. And there's a time in our lives where we knew that that would have been impossible and God was faithful. And so we're going to take that next step and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to put it out there that we're going to, we're going to commit to this much. And when we do it with e-giving, we really are because we have to go in and change it if it's not working. Um, and we're going to trust that God will be faithful. Um, and the more that we do that, the more that at least for me, the more that I find that God is faithful, that God does meet us in our need, that God does provide great joy in that, to know that uh, part of part of what we've earned, part of what uh, we have brought in, that, that we are sending back out into the world to be a blessing. And uh, that's something that we hope to instill in our children as well. And so um, that's just a really big piece for us. So that... That's a little bit more about um, uh, tithing and giving and kind of that process. Again, you can do that on the website or not. Um, I'm going to continue in our sermon series enough. And that's going to really be talking about, again, that role of money in our lives and making sure that we have God and Jesus as Lord and, and what it looks like to kind of work against uh, the culture that's saying you need more money, you need more stuff, you need all of this, uh, and really to say, no, I have enough um, what I need to do is be a blessing. The other pieces that I really want to lift up today is uh, the opportunities to, for service. The first is that the clothing closet here in Yankton is in need of a lot of winter items. And as First United Methodists, we've decided to focus on winter boots. And so starting this Friday, running through next Wednesday, the 15th through the 20th, uh, please donate boots of all sizes. Adults and children uh, will have a place in our entryway for you to do that, to drop them off uh, and, and help people in need. Uh, as winter is approaching, um, we know that we can have some pretty severe winters. And, and especially for those who do not have reliable vehicles, who have to walk from place to place, winter boots become essential. And they can be expensive. It can be an expensive part of the winter necessities. And so uh, that is what we want to bless <coughs> the clothing closet with. And so bring your boots starting this Friday through next Wednesday. And then also the soupless soup kitchen that the UMW will be putting on. Again, uh, we're hoping at some point to bring back a soup kitchen that has soup and pies. Uh, but until then, uh, if you can donate uh, what you would have spent making super pies or whatever items that you did, uh, that or to be able to donate what would have been a meal cost for somebody. Um, and that helps support our UMW, our United Methodist Women, as well as uh, they provide uh, through that fund um, some of 
the money to help our children go to church camp in the summers, as well as supporting a lot of our local charitable organizations. Um, so they're suggesting that if you would have made soup, a gallon of soup would cost between 10 and $15. If you made a pie, that'd be anywhere from eight to $10. Or if you would have come and enjoyed a meal, that's between seven and $8. And, and considering, you know, what you would have spent on the actual event, let's just donate all of that uh, directly to the United Methodist Women. And you can do that online in, uh, in the e-giving, or you can do that just by designating on a check or on an envelope uh, that you would like that to go to the Supla Soup Kitchen. So those are just a couple of the opportunities. The other one that's fun, more fellowship, more communal oriented, community oriented, church community oriented. How many times can I say that? I don't know. Uh, we do have trunk or treat coming up at the end of this month, October 27th, I think is a Wednesday night from six to seven uh, out here in our parking lot. Decorate your vehicle, do it in a theme, do it in, you know, whatever you like. I'll give you a little hint. We, our, my, our theme is gonna be the best. You can fight me on it. Fight me on it by decorating your own vehicle and coming and challenging me because I will be there. I will be there with bells on, not literally, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, but it's it's a great way to bless our kids, to, to include the community uh, and to have a little bit of fun because again, part of our relationship with God is our relationship with each other and especially how we treat our children. And let us be a church that loves our kids, amen? I hope you said amen with me. Until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What's Going On, a video and audio podcast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. We'd love to have you join us for worship on Sundays, and we have two options available. 9 a.m. is our contemporary service, and 10.30 a.m. is our traditional service. You can find those online as well at our website, www.firstumcyankton.org, or on YouTube. 